the Shy Chat Podcast, stories that connect. Hello, loyal listeners, and welcome back to the Shy Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Reimholt, and I'm glad you've joined us again. I can't believe this is already our ninth episode and how quickly we are approaching July 4th. I hope everyone is able to take some time to relax and unplug during our firm-wide shutdown next week. Personally, I'll be heading north to Wisconsin for some camping, fishing, and safe social distancing. I recently sat down with Jason Larla, an audit managing director in Chicago, who joins us during Pride Month to share his personal story and his successes as a leader both at KPMG and in the LGBTQ community. Jason details his experiences in his 17 years at KPMG, focusing on a culture of inclusion and respect. We also discussed the recent Supreme Court decision, which protects LGBTQ individuals against employer discrimination under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Welcome to the show, Jason. So I think as we, let's just jump right in here. And uh, before, we, uh, before we get started, I'm thinking that we want to talk about your background and some of your personal experiences. But also, uh, I want to save time at the end to get your perspective on some current events that are affecting the LGBT community. So I guess just to start, I know you're an MD in audit, but could you tell us a little more about how you started at KPMG? Sure. Uh, I've been with the firm since 2003, believe it or not. I'll hit my 17-year anniversary uh, next month. Uh, I began an audit, came right from Indiana University. Um, started in Chicago and was with the audit practice for about um, nine years. Uh, and then I got the opportunity to do a rotation in our global audit group at the GSC in Montvale. So me and my partner packed up and moved to Hoboken, New Jersey, was there for about three years uh, from 2012 to 2015. Uh, then came back to Chicago and have been in the TMT practice back in audit um, since then. Wow. So uh, when you were in Montvale for that rotation, you said you were in Hoboken, but did you also have to travel as part of that global rotation? Had a, a lot of opportunity to travel, see different things, meet different people, and like I said, it was one of the best parts of of my career thus far. Wow. Uh, do you have any trips that uh, specifically stick out to you? Uh, <laughs> there, there was... Uh, I was traveling with uh, the partner in charge of the project and the... Um, IT director who was part of the software development. We went to Germany and we were there for about two weeks and in the interim weekend we decided to travel a little bit and I can't remember the exact town we were in but there was a castle that we got to tour and it was one of those things where you just kind of you know, walked around, got to see different parts of the castle without a tour you know, guide or anything mm -hmm. like that. So we got ourselves underground and got stuck because we couldn't find our way out. Um, <laughs> so, so that was fun. That was fun trying to figure out that. But just a really cool experience getting to see some of the culture that you know you shall get to see here in the States. Okay, so then you had this rotation for three years. Um, and then did, was the plan to always come back to Chicago? It was. Yeah, the idea there being... You know, when it comes to these types of rotations, especially in the audit practices, the office wants to bring you back in order to use the experiences and and the skills you've developed throughout that rotation. So I was able to come back to Chicago, get involved in the actual deployment of our data and analytics capabilities, and really help some teams in the early 
early stages of adopting a new audit process. Um, so that was that was pretty cool to be involved in that. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like it kind of came full circle after this rotation and you know all your many years of experience on this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, in addition to uh, your illustrious background in audit, I also uh, know your name, Jason, for being uh, leading our Pride Network at KPMG and specifically in Chicago. Um, so maybe we should. St- we, and I know June is a pr- is a Pride Month, so. Um, yeah. I was thinking maybe we could talk about your background and you know what pride means to you. Sure, no, I appreciate that. You know, as I think back as to my involvement in pride and why I've been involved in pride, you know, I sort of go back to I came out in college. Uh, I was a sophomore in college. I had known for a while that I was gay, but did not have the courage to talk to anyone about it. And eventually, it just came to a point where I, I just couldn't hide it. Right, I wanted to live my own life and be able to also share that with my friends and family. So I grew up Catholic. I was raised Catholic, and my parents were still somewhat religious. Um, and it was hard. It was just hard for me to be able to talk about it. But somehow, some way, I found the courage, and a lot of that was being influenced by being in a relationship for the first time and really seeing the person I was dating being out and being himself with his friends and family, that gave me a lot of motivation to do so. So I did. I came out to my family. I came out to my friends slowly and very fortunately didn't have one sort of negative experience throughout that process. Everyone was accepting. Everyone um, was happy that I felt comfortable being out and being able to talk about it with them. Um, certainly some fear, you know, my parents, of course, mm-hmm. and some of my other family were just afraid with their perceptions of how LGBT individuals can be treated um, in society. They were concerned as to whether mm-hmm. I would have to deal with things. But, you know, I think they saw that I was happy and that outshone any of the potential concerns or fears that I might have. And I think that helped them through that process. So I was out in college. Mm-hmm. Now, when I began recruiting and 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 trying to get a job um, and I knew from the onset I wanted to go into accounting auditing I've had family history with being an audit and it was always one that just kind of was easy for me uh, to pick as a profession so I knew from the onset I was going to go into the big four and I interviewed with everybody and everyone was great you know but I never really shared that part of my person with them um, I never really met anyone that was Um, out or had come out as part of their conversations with me and I didn't because of that see a lot of people like me being a part of that recruiting process and that Mm -hmm. in hindsight was a reason why I didn't feel like I should talk about it Um, so without really even acknowledging it I I went back in the closet when it came to talking with the firms and trying to find a job and even when I came to KPMG I stayed in the closet. Um, I had began a serious relationship my last year of college. Uh, my my a boyfriend at the time, he moved to Chicago with me um, after I graduated, and we lived together. But I never mm-hmm. talked to anyone about him. When any, whenever the question came up as to, you know, are you seeing anybody or anything like that, I would I would lie and I would say, you know, no, or I would try to avoid the question or change the subject, and. You know, that experience, having now talked to a lot of people in the professional world, is not an uncommon experience 
when you don't know the type of people you're going to be working with, accounting, and the types of clients that we sometimes deal with have a perception out there being very conservative um, and not being as welcoming to the LGBT community um, as other professions might be. Uh, that all factored into my decision and factors into a lot of people's, I'll say, decisions to be to not be out and not talk about their life when they come into a firm like ours. And that was my life for about the first two years with the firm. Um, wow. It was kind of okay at first, right, because I didn't really know mm -hmm. people. I didn't have a lot of colleagues from college that came to, to KPMG in Chicago, or if they did, they weren't an audit. Um, but as I got to know people, as I got to become friends with people, and, you know, you you work with these individuals eight-plus hours a day for weeks on end, of course you guys are going to get to know each other and become friendly with each other. It began to get harder and harder not to share that part of my life with the people mm -hmm. I was working with, um, especially when I had that experience in college, and then I had yep. to hide it again coming into, into work. So it ultimately came to a point that was the end of my sort of, I'll say, first year as a senior associate, mm -hmm. and the lead partner, Bob Singleton, uh, had a party. Uh, it was a closing party for the audit, and he invited the entire engagement team, all the audit professionals, earned professionals, tax professionals, to his home, that he and his wife were going to host a party, and they invited everyone and their significant others. Mm -hmm. um, so at the time, I was, we were on the audit just getting it done, I'll, I'll say wrapping it up, and I was in Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, with Ann Zavarella, who was my audit um, senior associate at the time, um, had just got had gotten promoted to manager, um, mm -hmm. and she's she's now a partner. She's with the firm still, um, but she and I went out to a dinner at at some point while we were there, and she asked the question, "Was I planning to go to the party?" And I said, "Yeah." And she said, "Well, are you going to bring anybody?" And I told her, "I said I'm I'm kind of contemplating. I have a boyfriend and." I'd like to bring them. And that she was the first person I came out to at the firm. And, you know, we talked a lot over over dinner about, you know, the reasons why I hadn't brought it up before or why I might be still nervous about kind of bringing him to the party. And she said something to me that, you know, I it, it still resonates with me today is, you know, if I were to bring him and it went in any kind of negative way where I didn't feel comfortable or I felt like people were judging me or mm -hmm. anything along those lines. Would I want to work at a at a place that makes me feel that way? And she was right, wow. right? I was yep. spending so mm -hmm. much emotional energy um, not being who I was or not sharing with who I was. You know, I wasn't thinking about how that was affecting me both professionally and personally, right? And you know, and I just came to the realization that, yeah, you know, I need to find out. I need to find out if this is going to be a problem or not, because mm -hmm. I don't want to be with a company long term if it's going to be a problem. So, I decided to do it. Um, I remember driving up to his house in the northern burbs, and we were there in the car. My hands were shaking on the wheel. I was so so nervous, um, but we got out of the car, walked up, and. And Bob and his wife had met everyone at the door, and I introduced my partner to him at the time, Brian. And I said, "Here's Brian. You know, he's my he's my partner." And <laughs> it could have been the biggest, I'll say, non-event in the world. 
I, 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 I had totally blown it out of proportion. Everyone was accepting, you know, welcomed him. Um, it, 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 I, I had made it up to be such a big deal in my head that I just wasn't prepared for the fact that it wasn't. <laughs> so it was kind of a shock initially, but as I look back on that night, you know, I recall two things in particular. My my partner at the time, he played piano, and uh, there was a piano at their house, and he began playing, and, and Bob's wife went up to him, and they started just kind of singing together. It was it was awesome, just like really feeling wow. like, a, like a sense of community there. That really triggered in me a need to get involved. I wanted to, you know, be able to talk about my experience and sort of share with others that, you know, I had made this out to be a much bigger issue than it really was. Um, and I wanted to learn more about what the firm was doing and be able to help others be more comfortable in being out and things of that nature. So shortly after that, I got involved in the Pride at KPMG chapter in Chicago. The firm, being KPMG, they were the first big four to start a Pride chapter, and that began in 2001. The Chicago chapter began in 2003, and I joined in 2005. Shortly became, after that, uh, a, a chapter lead helped to organize some of the events and, and things we were doing in the office, getting involved in the Pride Parade in Chicago, um, having community service events, getting speakers to come in, and things of that nature. And that was an amazing experience and really one of the main reasons why I have stayed at the firm for so long. I mean, I like audit, and I know that might sound odd to a lot of people, but I like what I do. I, I, I really like the people that I work with. Uh, but part of the reason I've stayed so long is the opportunity to be involved in all these other things, and being involved with Pride has been a big piece of that where I feel like I'm not only contributing to the success of the firm from, I'll say, a business perspective, but also a people perspective, the culture, trying to help to build a culture that is a place that I want to work in and I think a lot of other people want to work in, too. Um, so I was involved in many years with that. Um, and then when I moved to Jersey, there's, for the entire time, that the Pride chapter has been in place, there's been a National Pride Advisory Board, which is a group of partners from around the country that are helping to put, I'll say, things in place to help the firm um, with execution of initiatives or policies that will uh, benefit the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. um, so things like putting the right policies in place around employee discrimination and things of that nature about healthcare policies. We, you know, we were one of the first firms to enable same-sex partners to, you know, have medical benefits through the firm's medical policies. We also have the ability to adopt as a same-sex partner, being able to utilize the firm's, um, I'll say, benefits around the adoption process. So those are the types of things that the Pride Advisory Board um, have been able to help implement with the firm. And around 2012 or so, they put together what was called at the time the P15, uh, which was a group of sort of experienced, uh, I'll say directors or senior managers that were very engaged in pride and would want to help execute things at a more national level. So mm -hmm. I got involved with that, was involved with that for three years, helped to pull together the first KPMG pride conference. Uh, for for many years, 
throughout the 2000s, KPMG was a participant in an organization called Out and Equal, uh, which is an organization that helps companies from around the world, um, and especially in the U.S., implement policy around LGBT issues. Um, and not every company is at the same stage when it comes to that, and Out and Equal helps connect companies and helps companies identify resources that can help them put policies in place. With KPMG and a lot of the things that we have done over the years, we quickly saw that the, the benefit of Out and Equal, we really weren't getting the, I'll say, return in that we had all the policies, we had the right things in place, but there was still work to be done because people like myself weren't always comfortable being out or being actively engaged. So we decided to do an internal conference for the first time to really focus on what are the needs of our people and how do we help to upskill individuals, how do we recruit talent, how do we retain talent, and how do we give people the right sort of mentoring and opportunities so that they can see themselves having a career at the firm while being involved in the LGBT community. Yeah, it seems like, Jason, since uh, you joined Pride in 05, in the last 15 years, you've been involved not only in membership but in the leadership and being involved kind of all across the board, as you, as you just recently mentioned. Yeah. Um, what are some of the biggest initiatives or maybe the best, the biggest strides that KPMG has made in the last 15 years um, that have helped improve the life of the LGBT community? The first thing that comes to mind are the policies and benefits that have been made available to people within the LGBT community. And what I mean by that is it became really apparent when I first began with the firm that there was no tolerance for folks to treat people that were within any kind of minority group in a different way. Mm -hmm. The policies that the firm has in place around discrimination, around things like retaliation, and that was inclusive of sexual orientation from as far back as I can remember. So. I think that's an important step because not every company in, in, in every state across the country has that kind of culture and that kind of environment. So that is certainly a huge thing that the firm has done and did early when I think about what I've learned the rest of the, of, of the country has had to deal with over the last 15 years. With respect to the benefits around the medical benefits and some of the maternity leave paternity leave being afforded to same-sex partners as well. I mean, those are things that to many people don't, you know, affect, but to those people that it does is incredibly impactful. And being able to go out into the world and say, yes, we offer these types of benefits. You have this available to you if you come and work here is an incredible recruitment tool. Um, and I say tool, it's really not a tool. It's, it's a culture, right? It, it gives people the impression that being who you are is is a, something that we not only tolerate, it's something that we encourage and demand mm -hmm. to a certain extent, mm -hmm. right? You can bring yourself to work and however you want to bring yourself to work, but the idea being that however you bring yourself to work, you will not be judged from a performance perspective, an opportunity perspective, there's going to be no tolerance for or discrimination as part of that process. Is I think something that has been incredibly impactful with the types of things the firm has done. 
um, to put the right pieces in place to make this the right place to work for people that are coming from a variety of backgrounds. And as you mentioned that about uh, you know preventing discrimination from hiring, promotion, or term decisions, I think that's a good segue into a recent Supreme Court decision. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. I think uh, for those of us, especially in the LGBT community, you know, it's been a momentous week uh, in that on Monday the Supreme Court passed a ruling that Title VII, uh, which had in the past um, afforded protections to people uh, based on, on sex, race, religious background, sort of legal recourse of being sort of fired or discriminated against sort of based on those characteristics. And some challenges were brought throughout the legal system over the course of the last few years where people had been fired for being gay or being transgender and specifically for that reason. Um, and up until Monday, there's been no federal law or statute that offered legal protections to the LGBT community. And over 20 states did not have uh, local legal pr protections in that state for such oh. a situation. Um, so while a firm like ours has those policies in place and things of that nature, there are plenty of companies that do not. And if someone were to get fired for being gay up until Monday, they didn't have any real legal recourse. Um, to that. And what the Supreme Court decided in a 6-3 decision is that uh, Title VII covers or in, is, is inclusive of sex, which is both also sexual orientation and identity. Um, there were two, two, two separate cases, one related to an LGBT, an, a, a gay individual, and the other related mm -hmm. to a transgender individual. And the rulings were in favor of both of those being protected by Title VII. So a momentous sort of decision when it comes to the rights of the LGBT community. It's just amazing that you think about we're in 2020 and the acceptance that the LGBT community has has gained over the course of the last 15, 20, 30 years leading back to the riots in New York. Still a lot of work to be done, right? And, you know, there are folks that are saying we needed that sort of decision to be a 9-0 decision, right? There shouldn't be any, any legal interpretation that would say it's okay to discriminate based on sexual orientation alone. Mm -hmm. And while this is a, a success and a ruling, there are still um, people out there that are trying to get these things passed through sort of local laws as well. And a lot of work still to be done. Um, and that's where being involved in the pride community within the firm, being involved with a firm that you know, has a real good culture and a real good message to bring out there to say, we do not discriminate based on things like sexual orientation. And we want to use our power right, as a firm, as an mm -hmm. employer, um, to help move the needle when it comes to acceptance and equality in the workplace. Absolutely. And uh, as you mentioned, that there still is work to be done. What is uh, the next step towards progress with uh, 
additional rights and uh, more recognition for the community look like to you? Mm -hmm. I think there's work to be done around being more visible and some of the things I think about especially with our firm is the ability to retain talent you know I've worked with a number of LGBT colleagues you know over the years and many of them have have left the firm and it's not because they're gay or they don't feel welcome although I have worked with people that have felt that way there are many folks even in today's world that are raised and grow up without ever knowing that they have known an LGBT person maybe or maybe they have never encountered an individual from that community in their life until they're in their professional life and not being able to understand you know how to say things or how to talk about it or you know there's just a lack of education or lack of experience which is of really no fault of their own but they also don't know how to react to it when they are faced with it. So to me, that is one of the key things that we need to continue working on is how do we educate you know, individuals about what the LGBT community faces, the things that can still happen to LGBT people while they may not help happen in the office, they can happen out in the community that could have an impact on their professional life. Um, and how do we then get those individuals to stay with the firm you know how do we encourage them to stay because I do think it's important to have sort of visible leaders at the firm that are in the LGBT community and are out and proud about it you know since I've joined the firm I can only think of two partners I've met in my 17 years um, audit partners um, that I've met and only one of them is out and only one of them who is who is out is with the firm still um, you know and out of a firm of our size that to me is just amazing is, is why are there not more out partners out there and there may be and I just haven't had the opportunity to meet them of course but you know the fact is is when I think about Chicago and the areas I've been involved with around this area you know there's not a lot of audit folks particularly there are some in advisory and some that have been there in tax, but a small number of people, ultimately. And if I think about the best way to recruit people and keep them here, it's to show that they can be successful. It's to show that we are promoting people from within and putting them into leadership positions to help kind of further the, I'll say, desire to be an inclusive culture when mm -hmm. it comes to our decisions around performance and how people get evaluated um, it's important to have people that are coming from minority backgrounds or diverse backgrounds to be in those leadership positions so that those coming into the firm can see hey that can be me someday and, and what you just said about you know some people not knowing what to say what's appropriate to say how do I learn more um, how would someone who's listening right now go about that how would you ask what do you say what do I do if I want to learn more I feel like sometimes you have so many questions you don't know where to go what to say sure. what advice would you give my first piece of advice would be to sort of recognize what you know and what you don't know and we all come into a situation with a perception and that perception is based on something it's either based on what we were 
sort of taught as we were growing up. It's based on experiences that we've had. But to understand and acknowledge that our own individual experiences and perceptions are not the same for everybody, right? So I think coming into a situation and I'll say recognizing what you know and what you don't know is important. And because of that, also being aware and having the courage to ask questions and not being afraid to do so. And I think that's where a lot of people, at least in my experience, have had the biggest challenge is they want to ask questions to your point, but they just don't, they want to, but they don't because they're afraid of offending somebody or saying the wrong thing and someone having the wrong perception of them. Um, and that's a hard thing to get over. But what I can share is that with the, the people I've worked with at the firm, the people I continue to work with at the firm, particularly those involved in our pride group and pride chapter, you know, it is, it is all about education. And we want people to ask the questions so that we can sort of share our unique experiences and maybe address some, you know, I'll say myths or some misconceptions that might be out there about the LGBT community or how to interact with folks that are in the LGBT community. So the way people can do that is one, get involved with Pride. Um, I think getting on the distribution list, attending some of the chapter meetings is a good way to get to sort of know people that you know are at least a part of and or an ally to the community. And the mm -hmm. people that are actively engaged are the ones that are going to want to be eager to help people that have questions about kind of what do I do or how do I do it to help them work through that. Um, and we're mm -hmm. not going to come with a sense of judgment or, you know, oh, gosh, why don't you know this? You know, that's not how we all feel. We want you to know the right things, and we acknowledge that. Not everyone has the same perspective. So I think getting involved with the Pride group or at least reaching out to folks within the Pride group to sort of share what your mm -hmm. questions might be or what some of your, um, I'll say, challenges might be can help to provide the information or get you connected to resources that can help you. I encourage anyone who is feeling like they need some support, whether they are LGBT or they're an ally or they want to be an ally, or maybe they just want to learn more. Maybe you're dealing with, with sort of someone who's a friend or a family member, or you have a friend or a family member that is dealing mm -hmm. with an issue that involves the LGBT community, just reach out. We are here to help. Um, we want to get you connected with the right resources if we can. Uh, but if nothing else, be there to talk to. Um, happy to listen, happy to share perspectives. But sometimes you just need to get things off your chest. And mm -hmm. I think being involved in Pride and being involved in all of our sort of business resource groups can can help accomplish a lot of that. Um, so certainly that's where I would encourage people to get involved um, if they want to learn more. Well, thanks, Jason. And I appreciate you sharing your powerful story and providing advice. I think it was really helpful and shed a lot of light on the community and kind of the progress has, that has been made and, um, and I guess the next steps that are needed for, yeah, the, for the LGBT community. Sure. Um, before I let you go, Jason, we're going to still do our signature lightning round. So five quick questions. Uh, don't think too hard. Just let me know first thing that comes to mind. Does that sound good? All right. All right. Number one, what is your favorite smell in the kitchen? Uh, cookies, chocolate chip cookies. Homemade? Or you uh, you get Home. bacon breaks? What's the go-to? Homemade. 
homemade. I don't make them often. I'm a diabetic, so I shouldn't be eating them at all. But um, when, when on the rare occasion that they're made in, in my home, that's the smell that comes to mind as, as one of my favorites. Um, all right, number two. Uh, would, would you rather be invisible or have x-ray vision? Invisible. It's the first thing that came to my mind. And what's the first thing you're doing with this new invisibility power? I'm really big into, um, I'll say, theater. And I try to go as many shows as I can, or at least while the shows were going on. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it, it's hard to get some really good seats sometimes. So I think I would use that power to see a show that I've always wanted to see uh, um, as, as close as I could get to it. Well, that's a great answer. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of two ways. We're still on three here. Uh, what makes <laughs> you laugh out loud? Uh, my my a current partner, Josh. He and I have been together for over 10 years. And, you know, I would say one of the things that um, has probably been a success in our relationship has just been the ability to make each other laugh. So that, that's my answer. I feel like that's the key to most relationships. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, all right, number four. What talent do you wish you had? I kind of wish I could play the piano. I, uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> I took I took classes in college. There were there was like a two semesters where I had a couple extra hours to kill. So I took intro to piano classes, and out of my entire academic career, those were my favorite classes. That's awesome. I'll say more so than any business class. So I learned, but I lost it because I just didn't really play it after that. But it was one of the things that gave me a lot of joy. And I wish I could. I, I, I guess I still can. I could still pick it back up, but I wish I had a, ta I wish I had a talent for it. I wasn't all that great, but I enjoyed it. I exclaimed there because my wife and I got a keyboard. So now we're kind of pounding around here trying to make some decent sounds and nice. agreed I, I I could use a few lessons to <laughs> make it not so harsh on the ears yeah yeah but, all right so last one if you won the lottery today what would be your first big splurge a uh, vacation I would want to go to Australia I've always wanted to go and have never had the opportunity so far and that would be what I want to do that's awesome well Thanks for coming on. Thanks for playing around, Jason, and I uh, appreciate everything you're doing for KPMG and the LGBT community. Thanks for the opportunity, Peter. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Shy Chat Podcast with your host, Peter Rainholt. For more information about Jason's story or the Pride Network at KPMG, please contact Jason Larla at jlyrla at kpmg.com. If you like what you heard, spread the word. And if you or someone you know has a great story that you think we should hear about, please contact Aaron Bailey at ebailey at kpmg.com or myself at prameholt at kpmg.com.